It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, we're knee-deep in a very unique series. It's called Spiritual Lessons from Abe Lincoln's America. And boy, do I have a title for you. Of course, if you're seeing this, uh, well, I guess all of you, because no one's watching it live right now. So you're all seeing the title uh, before I even kick off. But uh, The Science of Stupid. Uh, And I tell you what, uh, you know, especially for, uh, for those of you that don't even allow the uh, the word stupid uh, to be used in your home. I'm sorry, all of you parents are sort of like, oh, cover your ears, kids. Uh, we don't listen to that word, nor do we speak that word, which I would say is probably wise. There's really not a lot of edification that comes from that word, and the use uh, of that word by young kids usually is not the most pleasant, and so I get it. However, to understand what stupid is, it's actually important to recognize that it's a condition, and it's not the condition that... Uh, you would say of someone who is brainless or someone whose brain has you know, fallen to pieces and they, they've sort of lost their senses. In a sense, they've lost their senses, but it's actually a condition that I'm going to walk through and sort of give you the science of stupid. And it's a very real condition that many of us are witnessing today. And I'm not saying that we're immune to it. As believers, we are very, very susceptible, which is why we must put on our armor. We must recognize that we are in a culture that is very vulnerable right now to this entire condition of stupid, which is something that many of us have witnessed. We've struggled to know how to put phraseology to it. We've just been fuming. It's like, you've got to be kidding. Do they actually think we would think that? That's reasonable? That's, that doesn't even make sense. There's, there's all sorts of stuff that we are facing today, which is creating a challenge to our soul. And I would like to walk through that because what I'm doing in this series is I'm creating a parallel. I'm creating a parallel with this time before the Civil War where you could not create a a greater picture of the science of stupid in action as what we're going to see leading to the Civil War. It's like you want to stare at everyone and go, are you guys serious? You're actually going to go to war over this. This is something, can't we work this out in some other way? But the entrenchments on both sides were so deep and the, the levels of conditioning that had taken place in North and South created an impasse where you literally could not have normal conversation. You could not uh, actually listen to the other side. And it was creating an impediment that ultimately was going to lead to tremendous bloodshed. Lord Jesus, save us from such, such stupidity today. So this is part eight, the science of stupid. So we have a phrase, in fact, I've seen the bumper sticker uh, today, and that is trust the science. (laughs) Of course, what you want to ask is, and now what what science is this? Now, science in and of itself is not a bad thing. You know, the the ability to collect a basis and and a body of knowledge on any subject is not a bad thing. And if it's accurate data, well, of course you could trust it. But the idea of trusting science just blindly uh, has, will lead you to all sorts of wrong conclusions. This leads back to my last session that I gave, which was predefined a slave, when I talk about Orson um, Fowler's book, uh, The uh, Hereditary, I can't, Hereditary Descent, that was released in 1843, that is going to cast this pall 
uh, upon the, the culture of America at that time, which is going to create a justification of enslaving African Americans to the point where an abuse of, uh, of a people group is going to continue because of a scientific understanding. Isn't that interesting? And so let's review that uh, just really quickly. The science of the antebellum era, one of the key sciences was called phrenology. It was like, if you were really smart, well, then you spoke about phrenology. You, you, know, you dropped hints that you'd read you know, Orson Fowler's book. This was the elite class that understood phrenology. And so the, in the last uh, session, I gave a definition for phrenology, which I have to admit was not helpful. And I'm not saying this one is either. To be honest, I don't really understand it. What I do know is that it has been so thoroughly repudiated over time that no one associates themselves. No doctor, no scientist would ever associate themselves with phrenology. It's what a quack believes. And so as a result, that's one thing you can take from this is that Everyone in hindsight looks back and is sort of like, oh boy. It's like looking back at Y2K and going, oh boy, I can't believe I did that. You know, how many baked beans did I, cans of baked beans did I have in my basement? Oh boy, what did I do? However, back then, so let me at least attempt to define it, even though I don't know if this is going to help you. Phrenology, the detailed study of the shape and size of the cranium as a supposed indication of character and mental abilities. So a doctor could come up to you and feel your cranium and then be able to tell you everything about you. Oh, well, you, you, this is you and this is you know, how you're going to behave and this is what hope and future you have. And so what if they were to feel the brain of someone who descended from Africa? And this was one of the big issues which was leading to the justification of enslavement. And I read this, and if you're offended by this, it's probably good, okay? So this is what Orson Fowler said, coarse hair correlates with coarse fibers in the brain and indicates coarse feelings, which suggests that people of African descent have poor verbal skills and traits best suited for nursing children or waiting on tables. In other words, if I could rephrase it, they have traits best suited for slavery. And as a result, even though this is totally ridiculous, this is what the elite begin to digest and begin to use as their justification. What was their justification? Science. And so trust the science? Well, where's the science coming from? And here was one of the other statements. This is about Jewish people, classic anti-Semitism. Jewish people are hereditarily acquisitive, deceitful, and destructive, says Orson S. Fowler. And as a result, what you do is you justify a behavior that is opposite the kingdom of heaven because of the science. Now, that's exactly what we see today where we see a justification of behavior that is opposite the kingdom of heaven because science seems to be crowned king above the word of God. And as a Christian, as a believer, that ought never to be. Science is always relegated to be beneath the truth of the word of God. Science always ends up coming into agreement. Now I recognize there's people in history, you know, the scientists that have said, hey, you know, this, uh, the earth is not the center. And then the religious leaders will say, yes, it is. But that's not because the word of God says it is. That was religious tradition. And so as a result, science always does end up matching with the word of God. I know I sound like a kook in saying that, but I'm saying the word of God is God's word. It is higher than any discovery you ever make. And ultimately it will be discovered that the word of God was smarter. That's just my position, right? So if stupid is in the water, this is my advice to all of you, don't drink it. You see, we have, uh, 
we have some watering holes today that have been poisoned with stupid. And as a result, we need to be very, very watchful what we drink in, what we imbibe. And you can go to a lot of different sources today. Now, most of us, you know, probably more of the conservative audience would follow Eric Ludi. It's not because I, you know, espouse republicanism and, and various things that would cause all of you to stand up and cheer. It's that I lean more conservative in my views, and as a result, the liberals really get offended by me quickly, but it's not because I'm trying to shoo someone away. But you could, you know, as a conservative, look at, you know, CNN and say, oh, there's the poisoned water hole. I know that's what, that, that's what Ludi's talking about over there. However, there are conservative uh, depots of information that I would say are just as dangerous and are just as polluted because they create an animosity towards those we're supposed to be reaching with the gospel. They foster a hatred instead of a love. And so as a result, it's a poisoned water hole. Either way, and we need to be very watchful of it. So there's an article, and this is excerpted from uh, an article called Stupidity. I know, isn't that terrible? I mean, this entire message just has way too much of this word, right? But this is written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he was in prison. So uh, it's called Letters and Papers from Prison. And I think you're going to find this very interesting. Now, I'm going to just be uh, blunt honest that I had to change some of the phraseology to make it make sense. It's a translation from German in the first place, is my guess. It could have been written in English, but my guess is it was a translation, and it's, it was hard to sort of explain. Like, I, I felt like I was just going to have all of you scratching your head, like, what does that actually mean, which would have been not beneficial. So I, I adjusted a few things to sort of convey what he was saying. So hopefully this works. It's really interesting. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, stupidity... Is, more is a more dangerous enemy of the good than is evil. Well, what a starter package. Because if we were going to say, what is the greatest threat to the world? We'd say evil, which is sort of hard to argue, right? I mean, that's, that's really good. But stupidity, according to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, is more dangerous. And he gives the reasons why. You see, one may protest against evil. Evil can be exposed and, if need be, prevented by the use of force. Evil always carries with itself the germ of its own subversion in that it leaves behind in human beings at least a sense of unease and guilt. Against stupidity, however, there doesn't appear to be a defense. Neither protests nor use of force do anything to stop it. Before stupidity, both reason and sound argument fall on deaf ears. Facts that contradict stupidity's position are simply pushed aside as inconsequential. And in all this, stupidity is utterly self-satisfied and, being easily irritated, becomes dangerous by going on the attack. As a result, greater caution is called for when dealing with stupidity than even with evil. For tampering with this unstable human state proves both senseless and dangerous every time. Which, I don't know if any of you are hearkening back to a proverb that talks about how to handle a fool, but it's sort of, I'm going to liken the fool to stupidity. And when someone is functioning in their foolish state, you don't want to answer a fool in his folly. And that's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer is referencing. So here's another little segment from it. It's a, it's a longer article, and I took out a few pieces from it. Upon closer observation, it becomes clear that every strong upsurge of power in the public sphere, be it either political or religious in nature, 
infects a large part of society with stupidity. The law of stupidity, if there was such a law, indicates that the power of the one needs the stupidity of the other. In other words, for a great power to increase in the earth, then it demands stupidity in the masses to follow it. The process at work here is not that of particular human mental capacity, as if the human intellect of all these folks were suddenly falling to pieces. Instead, it seems that under the overwhelming impact of a rising socio-political power, that humans in such circumstances being threatened with social punishment for engaging in their own independent thought, to survive socially, consciously trade out their own thoughts and conclusions for the thoughts and conclusions of the rising power. I don't know if you've felt this, but as a growing political correctness seems to emerge in society, the woke community uh, sort of begins to take over, and they're canceling you out if you dare say anything against it. It's just a lot easier to come in line, to just say, you know what, I'm going to go with the party line. I'm going to go with what the power, the current power is saying, and I'm going to relinquish and give up my own individual thought. Because my own individual thought is only going to make my life uncomfortable. It's only going to make me miserable. So therefore, in exchange for comfort, in exchange for ease, in exchange for you know, a potential job, I am going to give up my individual thought. What you're seeing is how stupidity enters a culture. So the fact that stupidity is often unusually stubborn must not blind us to the fact that stupidity is not independent. It is totally controlled. In conversation with someone in bondage to stupidity, one virtually feels that one is dealing not, as, not at all with an individual person, but with slogans, catchwords, and the like that have taken possession of the person. They seem to be under a spell, blinded, misused and abused in their very being. And now, having a mindless human body from which to work, stupidity is capable of performing any evil and at the same time incapable of seeing that it is evil. Whoo, what quotes. Boy, Dietrich, wow, way to bring it. That's a very, very unique assessment of something that I think many of us have witnessed but we don't always know how to articulate it. Not all of us have the IQ of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. However, the ability to understand that, to see that growing power in our culture, which we could call political correctness, it, it's hard to put a finger on who it is. It's not like we have a key leader that is just like controlling everyone right now, but we feel it. We feel the rising tide of what most of us would call liberalism, but it's the rising tide of a power that is seeking to cow the church into submission to give up its own thoughts or its thoughts in, relate to, in relationship to the Bible that would get us in trouble if we actually said them out loud. I mean, I could just pick one, like gender. The moment you start saying there's only two genders is the moment you're going to be deleted from YouTube. I mean, you can't say those things. And yet, that's what the Bible says. So are we going with the rising power and the science of the day or are we going with the word of God? Which side are we choosing? If you as a Christian choose to side with the word of God, then you have this rising power against you and your life immediately becomes uncomfortable and you start to squirm in your seat and the rising power says, we can solve that. Give up your individual thought. Give up the word of God. Just, you know, you can nod towards it, but don't follow it, don't espouse it, don't ever speak it. The rising power must be in control. 
And it demands stupidity in order to rise to control. So here's the key line that I'm going to build on today, and that's define your hills to die on so you know where not to perish. Otherwise, you are playing stupid's game. So stupid has a game, and that is to get us off track and to get us arguing about peripheral things. I mean, this is classic antebellum era where they're arguing about everything. Everything was a contention. They couldn't agree on anything. There was just a split in the nation, and that's playing stupid's game. Stupid wants to bait you to fight over the wrong things. So if you've hung around Ellerslie, you know that I get very passionate about this issue in the church, that we as the church divide. I mean, denominations are fighting about the wrong things. Now, of course, the denomination itself is like, oh, this is so important that we need to divide. You know, so I know that that's a sensitive point. However, since God himself in his word says don't divide, I'm going to have to go with God on that one, as opposed to your conviction that you have to split on this. Now, I I recognize, maybe that's too much of a blanket statement. I do recognize that there are issues that need separation. In the body of Christ, even, where someone is espousing something that is actually hazardous or poisonous to the soul. It is contrary to the gospel. It is contrary to the deity of Jesus Christ. It is contrary to the work of redemption at the cross. And I get that. However, there is so much within the the body that we could say the whole body, the healthy body, the Bible-believing body, the Christ-subservient body, where we are dividing over the wrong things and we're playing stupid's game. So the cowing of political correctness. I like the word cowing. You'll notice that it comes up every now and then. You know, I don't want to be cowed. I like that. You know, it makes me feel, you know, like I'm saying something meaty when I do it. Cow, meaty. That's good. Uh, And so this is the quote that comes with it. This is how you should think. And if you don't think this way, watch out. It's a threat. That's what cowing is this is the way you're going to live, this is the way you're going to think, this is the way you're going to act, this is the way you're going to handle the medical issues of your day, this is the way you're going to handle the political issues, this is the way you're going to have to handle the schooling issues. It, we, it's predefined. It's prepackaged. This is the right way to live, and if you live a different way, you are standing against the rising power. Whew, welcome to historic Christianity. This is what we've always dealt with. There's a great cloud of witness that is watching, going, yeah, I've been there. Know exactly what you're going through. It may be different issues. It may be different ways of expressing it. It may be different clothing that is worn. However, it's the same bad breath. It is the same ideology behind it. So here on the screen, I have the science of stupid. And so for those of you that like to feel a little more like Albert Einstein, I have it up top in sort of a formulaic sense. And so in parentheses, I have SC plus A. And then I have a division uh, symbol. And over that is divided by TOTB equals stupid. So the great formula for stupid is that. Now, again, if you're not watching this via video, this would be really tricky, right? But I'm going to break that out because SC stands for something. So SC plus A. SC I'm going to call social correctness. It's the rising power. It's It's the way you're supposed to think. It's the way you're supposed to live. You add to that the A, which is appeasement. So SC plus A, social correctness plus appeasement divided by 
T-O-T-B, what in the world's that? Turning off the brain. You see, if you don't turn off the brain, stupid doesn't come about. But that's part of what makes stupid work. It's not actually that you're, you lack intellectual ability, like your IQ fell to pieces. It's that you are not using your brain for individual thoughts because that is dangerous. So you willfully turn off your brain from actively engaging in anything that could be contrary or call into question the rising power around you. As Christians, first of all, social correctness, we never add appeasement to it. And then we never turn off the brain. Our mind is the mind of Christ. It is constantly alerted. It is constantly on guard to hold the kingdom of heaven tight, to preserve the words of truth forever. You see, this is what makes us tick. So, and when stupid is the new science, isn't that a funny thought? You know, this is called the science of stupid. But when, what if stupid is the new science? <laughs> Uh, what if that is what is being promoted? Uh, yeah, trust the science. But the science is, uh, <clears throat> sorry to say it this bluntly, stupid. Uh, what do you do then? Uh, so my, my advice is you better get your Proverbs out on the table. So let's get our Proverbs out on the table. That's the statement I always say to our leadership team here at Ellerslie. Whenever we get into a really challenging situation, let's get our Proverbs out. Let's get the wisdom out. So Proverbs 26.4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly. So I, I replaced fool with stupidity. So do not answer stupidity according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Now the next verse, right when you think you're, you're landing your feet on that and you get it all figured out, the next verse comes in and says this, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So I replaced a fool with stupidity. I answer stupidity according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. Answer the fool. Uh, what? There's two ways to answer. And you do not want to answer a fool according to his foolishness. That's the flesh. That's the wrong way to answer a fool. But you are supposed to answer a fool. But you have to answer a fool with a supernatural power. And that's why when you answer a fool according to his folly, you're actually going to become like him. But if you answer a fool with the power of truth, with the power of Jesus Christ, with the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what saves him. So as it says, lest he be wise in his own eyes, you need to rescue this fool. At least that's the goal and that's, that's the desire of us as the believer. So here's another quote from Dietrich. Scripture declares that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, making it clear that the only genuine way to overcome stupidity is through the internal liberation of human beings via Jesus Christ. What's the, what's the great solution to stupidity? The gospel. That's what it is. So we're supposed to answer a fool, but not according to his folly. We need to answer a fool to expose his folly, but that isn't done just with human intellect. That is done in the power of Jesus Christ, which is what you're going to see Paul wield when he goes and begins to travel throughout Europe, is he is going to not speak in the wisdom of men, but he's going to speak in the power of God. Lest the stupid people remain stupid. They need to be set free. There needs to be an internal liberation. The hill to die on keeping your compass fixed to true north. 
You see, we don't want to die on the wrong hill. We need to die on the right hill. This is one of the things that I'm going to be so impressed with Lincoln. He is going to be baited constantly to get off in directions of the arguments of the day. And he's going to hold the line and not play the game. And that's one of the things I would say I admire about him, is he didn't make it about the wrong things. But the hill to die on, it's very easy for us to make it about the wrong things. We need to keep our compass fixed to true north. So here's true north. You know, when I look at the entire scripture, there's a lot of stuff in scripture. And yet I'm going to say this is the enunciation of the true north that all of us need to fix our compasses to. Every church should fix their compass to this. Paul says to the church at Corinth, which was a mess, he's talking to a church that's divided, and he's going to say, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul is giving us something very, very special there. That if he had to give up every other thing that he could share, this is what he holds on to. What is he going to share with a disintegrating church, with a church that's divided, with a church that's fallen to pieces? He's going to give them what matters most, Jesus and what Jesus did. This is the centerpiece. This is what we rally around. This is what we hold to. Stupid wants to get us off that. The Spirit of God highlights it, shines on that. That's where we stay focused. So the off-topic trick, don't be duped. Stupidity lingers nearby us all. So listen to just these few uh, quotes from Paul in the Bible. Colossians 2, 8 through 9. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. See, it's stupid's game. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Christ is where the solution is. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Don't be duped. Don't be tricked. Don't get off topic. Colossians 2, 16 through 17. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Don't get off in stupid's game. Stupid wants to get you off topic, wants to get you divided over sub-issues, but the substance is all Jesus. Don't lose that. 2 Corinthians 11, 2-3, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, says Paul, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, says Paul, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted for the, from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, many people have taken jabs at that and said, see, the, the Christian is simple-minded. See, the word simplicity is one of the most important ones, uh, I mean, that has impacted my life. And so I, I would gladly say I want to be, I want to have that simplicity. That doesn't mean simple-minded. Simplicity is singularity of focus. I could say it this way, a mind that doesn't play stupid's game. So, Paul is concerned that their minds may be corrupted from the singularity of focus that is in Christ. 
It's a reasonable concern because we as humans are very susceptible to it. Look at the church today. The church today is mostly focused on politics and social issues. They have lost track of what matters most. If you want to change social issues, if you want to change government, you have to have the power of Jesus Christ. You have to know the gospel. And we cannot lose that. The devil is trying to play us. He's trying to bring about a civil war. He's trying to bring about a division. We cannot sponsor that. So here are the leadership secrets of Lincoln that we've covered so far. Number one, draw loving lines, not hard lines. Number two, approach the nasty stuff like a Quaker. Number three, never ever send the first draft. Number four, listen like everyone in the room is smarter than you. Number five, bust through the cultural blind spots. Number six, inspire a Clapham sect in your living room. Number seven, slavery is not supposed to be a permanent condition. And today's. Number eight, define your hills to die on so you know where not to perish. Mmm, good stuff. Lord, we ask that you would work mightily in us as the church to rally us afresh to the center, to Jesus and what Jesus accomplished. Lord, that is where we find our life. That's where we pin our hopes. That is our eternal life. Lord, may we not forget it and may we not get distracted by all the noise that is trying to take us here and there and everywhere. Lord, we live for you and for you alone. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.